You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Accurately dividing the word 10, faith, healing, and wealth, 9. All right. So yesterday, we actually got to the point where we were speaking to what happened to Christ in the heart of the earth. Right? Okay. And you must know that all of this is to explore and to find understanding to what has been done for us in the area of healing and health. And then after that, we'll come to material wealth. But these two weeks, we are going to concentrate on healing and health. Praise God. All right. So let's go to Romans 10, verse 7. So... Or who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead, as if we could be saved by our own efforts. Hello? Oh, hello? So, Apostle Paul, once again, would open our eyes to the understanding of what happened. That Christ went to the abyss. He went to where? abyss and he says exactly that it is the place of what the dead the place of the dead is that very clear the place of the dead okay so you must clearly understand that Christ was not just left in the grave (laughs) Christ went into Hades He went into the place of the dead where all men go to. Praise God. All right? Look at Ephesians 4.9. Let's emphasize. Ephesians 4.9 and 10. And you're going to look at this carefully. But he accented. But he accented. Now what can this he accented mean? This is very clear. So he's going to give you an explanation, but that he had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the depths. And watch what he says. The lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the very same as he who also has ascended high above all the heavens. That he, his presence, might fill all things, the whole universe, from the lowest to the highest. What do you see? What do you see? So you can see where Christ went to. He went into Hades. And in Hades is the lower, the lowest part of what? The lower parts of what? The earth. So Hades is... 
the lower parts of the earth. Ask me to show you, I can. But the place of the dead, I'm not saying hell, fire, know that. But Hades, where we call the place of the dead, is in the lower parts of the earth. And you see how he shows us where Christ is now. He is high above all what? Heavens. So when you say that Christ is in heaven, can you see now? That's why Paul tells you that he lives in light. Inapproachable light. Are you getting the point? Yeah. So there's the place of the dead. But thank God you have escaped that. In Christ, you have. Now when you die, you enter Christ. Praise God. Amazing. Amazing. You see, it is one of the reasons why I tell us that studying the word should be your norm because it brings the reality out so clear to you so that when you see people who are raising their shoulders and all they think about is this world, you smile at them and you, you pity them actually for their ignorance. Yeah. Hey. You know, and it becomes so consistent that when the earth is destroyed because the power of God lives it, it tells you how, including the place of the dead. Are you getting the point? Everybody will have to be just moved and they are going to go to hell proper. Are you getting the point? Yes. Torments. Damnation. It's, it's so clear and consistent that you don't think the earth is forever. It can't be. It can't be. We'll get into this. When I talk about the soul of man, I'll get into some of these details. Let's go to, because we're now looking at healing. So let's continue. Look at 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ the Messiah himself died for sins once for all. He died for what? Sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust, the innocent for the guilty, that he might bring us to God in his human body. He was put to death, but he was made alive in the spirit. Oh, praise God. Amazing, amazing. So you can see the exchange is for sin, is for sin. Look at Ephesians 2.5. Even when we were dead, eh, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses. Clear? He made us alive together. In fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. The same new life with which he quickened him. For it is by grace. His favor and mercy which you do with you did not deserve that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Praise God. So we have become partakers of the, the fellowship of the Father and what? The Son. First Timothy 3, 16. And great and important and weighty. Everybody say, and great. And important and weighty, we confess is the hidden truth, the mystic secret of godliness. So, (laughs) 
Jesus. So if you are talking about weightier matters, the weightier matters is the mystery of godliness. How that an imperfect creature is suddenly made perfect without their own works. Praise God. Paul says this is the mystery of godliness. And listen, as we study, you would realize that we have so much to talk about, so much to study than wasting time on some of these topics we treat in church. That investigating who he has made us is what we must be dwelling on so that we can walk in the light of who Christ has made us. Praise God. It is that which the world sees as foolishness, but it is also that which is our gain. But what I've realized in life is this, that for those who understand value, you know how you value certain things and certain people, and other people treat them trash, and you wonder, because you know their value, true or false, all right? So you see, when you know the value of something or somebody, and you realize somebody doesn't even see their value, you, you get shocked. You get amazed. You're like, ah, really? Why? It's because you know what you know that others do not know. It is where you see the difference even in believers. The knowledge gauge determines the attitude gauge. Yeah. You see how Apostle Paul was ready to die. And we say that Paul who didn't come early surpassed even all the apostles because his knowledge gauge was so high, you saw it in his passion. Sorry, knowledge. Great and important and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth, the mystic secret of godliness. He, God, was made visible in human flesh, justified and vindicated in the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world and taken up in glory. Praise God. Anytime you see, like they said, human flesh, it doesn't just represent the body. You know that. What does it represent? It's a spirit, soul, and body. The, the passing, clear. Oh, is that very clear? Okay. So, right now you can see clearly that Jesus' offering for sin is spirit, soul, and what? Body. Because the vital aspect of the offering for sin is not in the grave, like I said, but the place of the dead and physical bodies can't enter there. Is that very clear? So Jesus died, spirit, soul, and what? Body. So look at Isaiah 53.10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. When you and he, check that you and he, please, you have to be very, very attentive to this. Did you see you and he? You and he is who and who? You see what I said? Look at it. Uh-huh. Yes. So the transaction 
is solely done by God. No human was part of it. God in his son at work. Are you getting the point? You and he make his life an offering for sin. Can you get it now? And he has risen from the dead. In time to come, he shall see his spiritual offspring. He shall prolong his days. And the will and pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Oh, praise God. So he died, spirit, soul, and body, for which you were in the orphan. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.21 will say, For our sake, he made Christ virtually to be sin. Claire. Who knew no sin? So that in and through him, we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God. What we ought to be, approved and acceptable, and in right relationship with him by my goodness. By who? By his goodness. Praise God. By his goodness. By his goodness. By his goodness. It's not a joke. By his goodness. Okay? And that's why you see in the ninth hour, Matthew 27, 46, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you abandoned me, leaving me helpless, forsaking and failing me in my need? He was quoting Psalm 22 verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. So in that place, he was not fighting in hell. He was abandoned. So he was abandoned. He was abandoned. The work was not done. It was the beginning of the separation. That's when he became mortal. Human being. Abandoned. To face the wrath that you and I should have faced. Hello. So look at how John puts it. John 1.29 says, Behold the lamb, that what? That does what? That does what? That takes away. Everybody say takes away. away. Now say it like even he said takes away. So it is something that is removed without a trace. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the word there means that he, that's, is it when Paul said, who knew no sin became sin. He was actually opening us up to this prophecy as well. And the Isaiah's prophecy. That he became sin. He takes the place of the sin. And that's why he said he will reprove the world of sin. In other words, the substitute. I want us to examine this. And I want you to give me your very rapt attention. Don't forget the focus is on healing in the light of Christ's redemptive work. Praise God. So I want you to really, really focus here. Don't let anybody take your mind away. Look at 1 Peter 2, 24. We've started some serious arguments here. Did Jesus bear our sin on his body? He personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree. As on an altar and offered himself on it that he might die, cease to exist, to sin, and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Praise God. Now, the question is, did he bear our sins on his body? Hello? On his body? So that's why he didn't say on his body. He said in. 
his own body. The body there is the word soma. Soma doesn't always mean physical flesh or physical body. It means that you have not been listening to me. Number one, I've been telling you that the work was not done on the cross. It started there. I just told you that he didn't go into Hades with his what? Body. So how can he bear your sins on his body? Let me give you an example. Look at Romans 6 verse 6. When we talk about body, we know that our old renewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be the slaves to sin. Hello? So can you see the distinctions of self, right? Can you see it there? And can you see the body too? Eh? So does your body feel stuff? Hey. Does it? Has your body become inactive? So do you think he's talking about your body, your flesh? He's talking about the person. So look at the verse 12. He makes the distinction in the verse 12. Watch it. Go. Oh, everybody go. <laughs> so now he's telling you this one, he's talking to where? The flesh. Do you get it now? Is that very clear? Clear to everybody. So the fact that you see body doesn't necessarily mean he's talking about the physical body, the flesh. No. So he's actually referring to Christ dying for you, the totality of your being. Praise God. He bore the sin in his being. Is that very clear? You must understand this. And I've said it severally, but it's like your mind has not come to it. I told you that the flesh itself does not sin. It starts from a perverse conscience to a corrupted mindset before the body acts it out. Is that very clear? Okay. All right. So if you hear something like maybe Colossians 2.9, for in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead continues to dwell in bodily form. Does that mean that he's talking about the physical body? No. The passing of the Christ. Praise God. Yes. The constitution of his person. And that was what Peter was referencing. Not in reference to his flesh or mortal body. He's talking about his full capacity, the person. He bore our sins in his person. Praise God. And another example of the body is Hebrews 10.10. 10. And in accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Christ Jesus, the anointed one. Amen. So you should be able to strike the difference between the physical flesh, the body, and the passing, which also is what? Called body. Like the way the church is called the body of what? Christ. Is that very clear? Yes. So, if you read John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst men, and we saw his glory as, as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace. Okay? So, it doesn't mean that, it means that it's just the what? Flesh. He became a human what? Being. Is that very clear? 
So it means the word became a human what? Being. So let's go to Isaiah 53.4. Praise God. Are you getting understanding? Anita, do you understand? No. Okay. So now take your time. Let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I am talking about divine health and healing. But I am taking you through a process for you to understand what Christ did on the cross in Hades. Are you getting the point? Yes. In reference to what was written in Isaiah chapter 53. And so you can see that we've been going back and forth to Isaiah 53 because we're going to be explaining everything that has been written there, which has to do with the exchange. Now, there has been a lot of ideas and a lot of Christian doctrine that speaks to the fact that our healing was born by Christ on his body. And I'm sure all of us grew with this understanding, true or false. Okay. So what I'm trying to do now is to dislodge that understanding that he did not bear your sin on his body. I want you to get that clear first. That is where I'm leading you to. Is that very clear? Is it clear now? Any question? The fact that you say body doesn't necessarily mean it's only the flesh. When you say my body, it means you're talking about your spirit, your soul, the human personality. Is that very clear? Uh -huh. So I use a Greek word and the Greek word is soma in 1 Peter 2.24. And normally people think that the moment he said that he bore our sins on a tree in his body, most of us think that it has to do with his flesh, mortal flesh. That's where he bore our sin. And I'm explaining to us that, no, he cannot do that because the work itself was done in Hades, where eternal damnation would have been for every man who was at the place of the dead. Is that very clear? Good. Physical bodies don't enter there. So if he truly bore our sins on the cross, are you getting on his body, this physical body, the flesh, then where was the work done? Then he should have risen up right at, on the cross. He didn't need to go to Hades. Is that clear? Because then the work would have been what? Done. But we have already studied, even yesterday, that the work was done three days and what? Three nights. So it couldn't be just done after the six hours when he hung on the cross. Only on his what? Body. A, a physical flesh. Let's say just the flesh. Is that very clear now? Is that very clear now? Let's go back to 1 Peter 2.24. He personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Even the Amplified has helped you. What did he say? As an altar and offered himself on it. So he's telling you that the body there is figurative of not just the flesh, but of his person. 
A human being is not made up of just flesh. A human being is made up of a spirit, soul, and what? Body. Is that very clear? And I've also explained that where does sin come from? Good. Adam's sin was not a sin on his body. So how can he take care of sin like that? The mortal flesh was affected. Are you getting the point? Is that very clear now? You are clear now. All right. So let's go to Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, (laughs) and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Hello? Oh, hello? Now, I will come and explain this proper. Don't worry. We're going to go into details. Eh? A lot of technicality, so don't worry. Now, <laughs> look at Matthew 8, 17, so that we can lay some good foundation, and then we can continue tomorrow. Don't worry. <laughs> now, look at this carefully. Everybody look at this. Let's all read. Go. And thus, he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities and bore away our diseases. Do you realize that this scripture is speaking directly? Can you, can you realize that? He's quoting from Isaiah 53, verse 4, directly. Can you see that? Okay. Now, let's look at some few technical details. Let's read the Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 6. Are you there? Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, carried our sorrows and pains. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement, needful to abstain peace and well-being for us, was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has made to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of us all. Praise God. What's the qualifying word here? For us. Did you realize from beginning, our, for us. Now, when you read the epistles, do you realize that you find this a lot in the epistles? Ours, for us. So, what this? Griefs. What does he say? Our griefs, right? Sorrow. He says our transgressions. He says our what? Iniquities. He says what? Our what? Chastisement of our what? So it's our peace. Then when he was, he said, all we, all we like sheep have gone as, as tray. Hello? So he is not part of us. He bore it for us. Is it making sense? The word for us is the word hupa. In place of. To do 
on behalf of. Huper is H-U-P-E-R. <laughs> to do for another substitution for the sake of over, beyond, more than. Are we all clear? So in Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 6, at least we can see that he has taken away our sin. Is it very clear there? So the question is, how is sickness featuring in this verse? To show us God's commitment in fulfillment of prophecy in Christ, in the redemption work. Because until we understand that, we can lay hold or make claim by authority. Because all the exchange we saw there speaks to our sin. True or false? Let's start a journey. Let's look at how it was used in the New Testament. So all of these were speaking from the explanation of Isaiah. So we're going to look at the Gospels, and then tomorrow we'll continue with Acts and the rest. <laughs> now, I want you to really take note because don't see them as repetitive. That's the way it will sound. That's the way it will look like. But anytime you see repetition and you see emphasis, it means that it is the major. And if you can pay close attention to it, have understanding, let it entrench, then you can be established in understanding in it. Is that very clear? So, John 1, 29, we already saw that, right? He who takes away the sin of the world, is that clear? Yes. So we said, takes away. Matthew 1, 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus, the Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua, which means savior. What will he do? He will save his people from what? Disease, their sicknesses, from their what? Sin. So all of them are explaining exactly what was said in Isaiah. And you can see that all of them are putting it into the context of what? Sin. Let's continue. Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which ratifies the agreement and is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of what? So once again, is what? Sin or sin. Luke 24, 27. The beginning with Moses and throughout all the prophets, he went on explaining and interpreting to them in all the scriptures concerning what? The things concerning and referring to himself. Praise God. So he was in reference to himself. We know that he himself went to the cross and he himself died. Is that correct? Okay. So in reference here, we know that the exchange of himself was speaking to he dying for our word. Sins. Is that very clear? John 20, 23. Having, now having received the Holy Spirit, what happened? And being led and directed by him, mm -hmm. if you forgive the sins of anyone, 
they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. So the exchange has to do with what? Forgiveness of sin. Mark 16, verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be what? Will be, will be what? Saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So the believing is for what? Salvation. Not believing is for condemned. So in the four gospels, we can see clearly that in explaining Isaiah, it is the taking away of sin. That is what the sacrifice of the Christ came to do. That's what it came to do. Now, write this down. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts 3, 19. Acts 5, 31. Acts 10, 43. Acts 13, 38. So, if you look at Acts 2, 38, then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. For the remission of what? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter is saying that his death, burial, resurrection gave us the remission of what? Sins. By which we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 3.19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the, of the Lord. Wow. So our sins are blotted out. Like John spoke ahead, right? Also referencing the explanation of Isaiah 53. Is that clear? Okay. 531. Acts 531. Him God has exalted to his right hand. To be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of what? Sins. Then, hmm. 43. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive what? Wow. 13:38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, is preached to you. What? Praise God. <laughs> now, I'll continue tomorrow, but I want you to know. So, listen. What you must get is this. The, the Bible wants you to understand that there is no way sin can stand in the way of sickness because what brings it has been destroyed. So, we're going to see Everywhere, through, we're going to go through the epistles. You will see the same thing that the exchange took away what? Sins. And that must be so entrenched and engrossed in your mind. Because what stops a lot of people from receiving healing is the consciousness of sin. <laughs> so he so what we you see, sometimes we try to put things there. So oh, I, I will go through that. Most of the things we have invented, he exchanged it for our healing. It's not true. It's not true. I will explain it by his stripes we are healed. He never said that. And I would explain it. You get it. I would explain it. So you will see in the end how healing comes in. Right. So when you have this foundation, you walk in divine health. 
And when sickness comes, you address it. Now, we're going to pray. Today, we're going to pray as a corporate body. And I want you to pray, listen very carefully, that everybody here under the sound of my voice, may your, may your understanding be so quickened that with regards to healing and health, there will not be place for doubt. Amen. And we are praying that not just as individuals, but as the body, Carry Center International, yeah. that everybody in this house shall walk in this light and in this understanding. Yeah. Um, already, I can see a few glimpses, not, but it has to be, I mean, that when anybody walks here, literally they can sense the power to be healed and they can easily receive it. You know, I, it, it must be the culture of the church. And let me tell you, it shouldn't just be carries. That actually should be the culture of the Christian body. You must walk in healing and health. So rise to your feet, everybody. How do we do that? You're going to pray that the consciousness of his righteousness is ingrained in your consciousness. That the mystery of godliness, which makes you you, shall never be in doubt. You are rooted and built up in this and you literally walk in it any day, any time. That no fiery darts of the enemy, no fiery darts on your mind would affect you. You never live the life of condemnation. You never live the life of sin consciousness. You will rule over it at every point in time. Are you getting the point? And you will always open up I mean, the moment you do that, you are open up for healing and health every time. Yeah. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Cary Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Cary Center International, living heaven on earth.